played the silver ball From Seoul down to Brighton I must have played them all But I ain't seen nothing like it In any amusement hall That deaf, dumb, blind kid Sure plays the mean dead ball Talking to the people involved with collecting, playing, repairing, restoring and operating pinball and arcade culture around New Zealand and beyond. You are listening to Simon's Pinball Podcast. Okay, and uh, this is the first pod I've done for a while. The last pod I did was BJ Wilson up in Auckland. That must have been, um, gosh, I don't know, late sometime last year, and we're now into June. Yeah. Um, we're now into June of 2020, and I've got Mike Burke with me and his two sons, his two strapping sons. Um, Mike is a Wellington Lower Hut guy, and I've known him for a long, long time. But I think just to introduce you, Mike, thank you for coming, first of all. And we're sitting in my house, we're not in his, so I can't get a photo of you with your collection today. Maybe I will another day. But um, we're here in my house and um, surrounded by all my crap. And we're <laughs> <laughs> I've got the three guys on the couch. So, um, Mike, you're married, that's right? Correct, yeah. And you've got three children, eh? I've got, actually, got four children. You've got four three, children? Three for my, my marriage. That's yeah. right. Had a uh, daughter. Uh, she's thirty-one this year. Okay. So she's she lives in Sydney with her husband. All oh, right. So yeah. Do you get to see her very much? Uh, we we've seen her a bit, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah. We we do the old. Uh, we did the Zoom just last week. So, oh nice. Yeah, so it was really good to see. Her. So so, yeah. so it's a thirty-one-year-old daughter. What's her name? Alana. Alana, cool. And then you've got three children to your current wife. Yeah. And and you've so we've got Josh. Who's how old, Josh? 15. 15. And Ashley? Who's 16. 16. Wow. Cool. Teenagers. Yeah. And, um... We've got Ella, who's just, uh, coming up to 14. Does she have any interest in pinball at all? No. no. <laughs> well, well, that, that kind of fits the, the gender stereotype. But you two guys, you two boys, are fully into pinball, because you come to all the comps. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, which is, which is, which is cool. Um, but, um, I just, oh, and you work in IT, Mike, is that right? Uh, I work for an engineering company. Um, so we're consulting engineers globally based and we do all sorts of, you know, buildings and roads and oil terminals, anything engineering we, we do it. So I look after all the CAD software yeah. for the drafting software for the whole company. So I've got about 3000 people that I look after oh, wow. around, around the world. So it keeps me busy, especially COVID nineteen. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're still working from home at the moment. Yeah, right? still working from home. Yeah. So when yeah. COVID went down, we had to everybody had to go work from home. So it was yeah. a bit scrambled to be able to use the software from home. So yeah. it's yeah. been so busy. Wow, you've been doing that for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah. So I've been um, at Warcon 24 years. And but for the same employer. Same employer, oh. and been doing this CAD management role since two thousand seven. 2008 so yeah it's been a long time I, I love it 
That's awesome. Yeah. Well, um, it might be a good time for me to talk about when I first came in, first met you, which was a long, long time ago, and this is why I'm so excited to be doing the talk today. Because we go back, our history goes back to the mid-90s. Yep. And um, I'll just, just kind of preamble it a little bit, because I first came across your name when I went down to see Mike DeRoyter at Space Tech Coin. I might talk to Mike. Um, I've seen him around, he still lives in Wellington. Okay. He was our local distributor for Pinball. Mm. Now, I was looking at Attack from Mars, and I said, oh, um, oh uh, I'm thinking of Attack from Mars, Mike. I've got this brochure. You're showing me a brochure, but, you know, it looks quite good, but I don't have any information on the game. And he said, oh, do you know a guy called Mike Burke? <laughs> or Mikey Burke, as That's he called right. you. Do you know Mikey Burke? And I said, no. Oh, well, I've heard of the name. I've heard of the name. And he goes, oh, he's this guy. He's into the internet. And he's been researching Attack from Mars and he's told us, he's given us all these spec sheets and he's told us that it's a good game. <laughs> and so your reputation preceded you at that time um, because you were kind of, and I said, Mike Big, sounds like a train spotter. <laughs> but no, you, you were giving the distributor information about the game that he knew nothing about. Yep. And so, so you were quite involved with the internet back then. Um, so that would be 96. Yeah. 96. 95, 96. Yeah, 95, 90. I guess we were putting our orders in in 95. Yeah. Um, or the, the, the game had been announced and we just had a brochure. Because I used to buy them just on a brochure um, and not have any information because I wasn't looking at the internet in those days. Um, so you you had a kind of an interest in pinball. You were playing pinball back in those days and, yeah. and prior to that. Mm-hmm. So maybe I might actually backpedal a little bit and ask you when was what was your first memory of pinball for you as a youth? So it was around a well, I must have been eight or nine, something like that. When I was, I've lived in Lower Hutt all my life. Yeah. It was in Batoni. Yeah. And it was in a corner, uh, corner Jerry in Batoni in Jackson Street. Yeah. In yeah. Street. Yeah. And they had an EM pinball machine in there. First time I had ever seen one. Yeah. So it must be about eight. I reckon eight, eight years old. Right. And I had a game and I was like, wow, this is, to me, it was fascinating. And this was before Space Invaders and anything else. So you must be out. a little bit younger than me then. How old are you now? I'm 53. Well, I'm 53 as You're well. You're 53. I was the same age. Yeah. Okay, so I used to have been mid-70s. Yeah. You're talking about, okay, yep. So that was my first taste of it. Um, and then, obviously, video games, Space Invaders and stuff started to take off probably around about that same time. Yeah, yeah. So I was right into that and it was then... Um, probably the next time I saw a pinball machine was Meteor right. by uh, Stern. Must be around about 1980. Right. Because it came out in 79. Yeah, yeah, it was about 80. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was everywhere, wasn't it, Meteor? Well, I hadn't seen it because I, yeah. I was staying at a friend's place. You know, it was just, you know, it was one of those weekends I was staying at a friend's place and he says, oh, let's go, let's yeah. go out. Yeah. It's a Saturday night. Something that I didn't normally do back, back in those days. Yeah. He took me to this local takeaway in Batoni and it had Meteor and he had all his mates there and we were just playing that all night and I was going, this is really cool. I loved it. So that's what really got me into it. And you still like playing Meteor today? Yeah, I've, I've got a Meteor, but it's never worked. So oh, okay. Uh, I, I brought it not working for right. one day of actually getting it up and running, so it's, it's sitting there. Didn't know you had a Meteor as yeah. well. Oh, cool. So I, I brought it because that was the game that got me into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's how long ago did you buy it? Oh man, it was before I had kids. Right, right. Or these kids. Yeah. So um, yeah, oh, I couldn't tell you. Wow. 
probably about the same time that I met you with, with the Attack from Mars thing. Probably later than that, time. maybe, uh, how old are you, 16? So I'll say 18 years ago, maybe, oh, or more. Yeah. yeah, sure, sure. 20. And so then, and, and um, for anyone that's listening, if they want to go to my Pindle Spots Facebook page, they will find a note there that you wrote, and that you, I came across it when I was tidying up my house one day, and you, you sent it to me in the late 90s, I think, and you'd chronicled all the games that you remember playing yeah. from your youth in, in arcades such as Fun City, Wizards, um, Crystal City. Crystal City. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about when you were a teenager playing pinball in those arcades? Yeah, so I'm, I've, I was thinking about that and I looked it back up before this yeah. talk and I thought, yeah. I'm glad I actually wrote that down and sent it to you because there's a lot of history there. Yeah, yeah. And I probably would struggle nowadays to remember. Well, what impressed me, you remembered games that were on certain locations yeah. and, and it was interesting to see like the rapid fire. Cause someone said to me, I didn't know there was a rapid fire. In Wellington, yeah. oh yes, Mike Mike Burke documented that he, that he, that he saw it. That was at Wizards, wasn't it? Yeah, was it? Yeah, yeah. So, the climate for pinball and for arcade culture in the early eighties. Can you kind of describe that for me? Yeah, sure. So, um, I would say uh, with Space Invaders and and Galaxian and all those games taken off, and there was spaces everywhere. Everybody had them. And there was a, the occasional pinball machine here and there, but it was the Silver Ball Palace, which you know quite well. Yeah. Opened up in Noah <laughs> in about 1981, I think it was. Yeah. yeah. And when it first opened up, they only had about three or four games, pinball machines on the floor. Yeah. And they had a whole bunch of tabletop games in that. And then, I don't know, months and a few, later. a few cockpit games too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cockpit games like that. They had um, Missile Command. Missile Command, yeah. And they had the Sega game. Big Sega, big Sega machines, I can't what they're called. Was it Star Wars, that one? It was it looked like Star Wars, yeah. it was a rip off yeah. of Star Wars. Yeah. 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 Um, they had Crazy Climber, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. And then they opened up upstairs and they had all these games, all these pinball machines, that just blew me away. And it probably what changed me forever, having access to all those games at that time. And um, I was looking through the list before today, and I think I missed a couple. So. They had uh, you know, Black Knight and Firepower and Alien Poker, which mm. I loved, and mm. Flight 2000 and 8-Ball Deluxe. Some classic games for the time, which we didn't know. Yeah. But, you know, they, they brought the right games when they got them. I remember the upstairs, you go up the stairs and all the pinballs were on a line on the left, weren't they? Yeah. And I can remember just hanging around up there and I could constantly hear, quit talking and start chalking, because they had the 8-Ball I think the 8-Ball Deluxe was the only one they had on a track mode, a track sound. Yeah. Maybe you can't turn that off because Steve's does it too. Yeah, I like it. Just does that little call out, which is quite cute. I always imagined if you put all the pinballs on a track sound. Actually, no, Alien Poker does it because I've got an Alien Poker and I used to like hearing the track sound. If you put all the pinballs on a track sound, it'll be constantly saying something, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, they had a Harlem Globetrotters, they had a whole classic game. So, him. One game that I hadn't listed was Blackout, but it was never on. It was always broken. Was that at Silverville Palace? I never played it because it was always right. not working. Right, right. So, I'm not I played it in Chicago, Logan Arcade. They had it on the side. I've got photos of me playing it because I, it's the game that I really like. But yeah, you don't like you say you don't see it anywhere. No. Yeah. So and so do you know why Silverball Palace closed? Because I, I was, my brother was fully out of it by that stage. He wasn't working there anymore. 
Oh, they, um, they never updated their games. They yeah. just run it into the ground. Right. And it wasn't until later which they actually started to get in actual... They used to get games in from, you know, like the... Oh, who were the distributors, distributors back in those days? I, I think Advanced Automatics. Yeah, guys like those, they got them in eventually. Well, Advanced Automatics was the firm that ran Silver War Palace, I think. Um, I don't know, but Ralph Tiger was a, he was bringing them in second hand because you couldn't bring in new stock. Mm. He was bringing all that stuff at Silver Ball was second hand okay. from Japan. Japan. Yeah. Um, and that's how he got around the, the, the tariffs. Um, so, so you were playing from a young age and then you just kept playing all yeah. through the 80s? Yeah, pretty well. So that was my teenage years, my, you know, fifth form years I was wasted in playing arcade and pinball machines all through the early 80s and that's to, to the detriment of your school study pretty well yeah <laughs> um, and then the, the bubble burst on the video games and obviously pinball went, went with it so it was harder and harder to find actual pinball machines and um, it was Crystal City in the town you know they were fun city then they moved to Crystal City mm. and that guy I you probably remember. I can't remember. I don't know what his name was, but he was right into his Williams games. Yeah, I don't know who that was. I was thinking about that. I don't. I don't know who that person was. I know Mike Garota was the guy that I was dealing with, but he got in a lot later. Yeah, I think. yeah. This is like um, now he'd been around since the seventies because I remember talking to him. He used to prefer working on EM games because he could he could fix it. He wasn't couldn't. wasn't that guy Arthur that oh. was in the downstairs Dixon Street? Arcade. No, it wasn't. I'm not sure. Might have been him. Yeah, so they had um, Hyperball. So he brought on the Hyperball, which my, my mate Rauti brought for 20 bucks later on. Yeah. Because I don't think it was working that stage. And I think you mentioned it's in Crosshairs. We saw it in Crosshairs. Yeah, yeah. I, I ended up with it. Um, I remember Rauti talking about it, saying that he fixed it and very few people could actually work on that game. And I ended up buying it from Tom Houtman. I went to him one day. And he had it sitting in his workshop, and he couldn't fix it. He said, oh, "I can't, I can't fix this thing." And I said, "Well, I might be keen to take it off you, you know, not knowing if I could fix it either." But I, he gave me the address of the people who owned it, and I went and knocked on their door and said, <laughs> "I said, Tom can't fix your hyperball. I might, I'll buy it off you for eight hundred bucks." So I think I paid them eight hundred for it and took it home. Um, and then I couldn't fix it for ten years. I got it semi working. But I had it for 10 years. 10 years and it never worked right. Wow. And then I sold it to Ian, who now has it in Christchurch. Well, Ratu, Ratu got it up and running beautifully. Yeah. But remember... In those... he's, he's, a, his, he's a technician by trade. Yeah. So he knew all about electronics. He knew yeah. how to fix things. Yeah. And he brought back a firepower. His first game was a firepower, which was probably from the Silver Palace. Right. He brought that back from, from the dead. Right. It didn't cost him hardly anything to buy it because, you know, nobody could fix it. Yeah. The same with Hyperball. He's a clever guy. He's he a was. smart guy. But yeah. there, of course, stuff was a bit newer back then. Yes, too. yes. Um, are you still in touch with Ratu? Yeah, see him every now and again. And he's still good? Yeah, yes. yeah. He's still got some games from what I understand. He's still got his Dracula, his uh, branch Oh, cool. And his um, getaway. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, good. He's someone I haven't seen for 20 years. Yeah, I, we hardly ever see him. Yeah. yeah. See him once in a while, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And, um, but, you know, in your article that you wrote, you said how after Hyperball and possibly Firepower 2, yeah. Crystal City didn't buy anything. Oh, they brought a Grand Lizard. 
<coughs> yeah, but that was four years later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. they didn't buy anything for four years. Yep. And so in that time, what were you doing for pinball? Well, Ratu again, and, and my mate Mike, we used to go up to Palmerston North. Right. Because Ratu had a car, so that was that was a bonus. So we he discovered this place in Palmerston North called George's. Yeah. And that was the early 80s. Yeah. You know, this is like um, 84, 85 is when he had his car. Right. So it was just at the end of school, and we used to go up every, you know, every couple of months, you know, to play pinball was just, you know, because there was nothing in Wellington. You do it as a day trip. A yeah, day, day trip. trip. Yep. used to go really early in the morning, get up there, go to a local McDonald's or whatever it was, or a local takeaway, wait for it open, spend the whole day there, then drive back. And it was, uh, for pinball nuts, it was great. I think I went there once or twice, but not as often as you by the sounds of things. And games that you can remember there? Yeah, well, I think the first game I remember there uh, was Space Shuttle. Um, must be pretty brand newish right. when it came out. It's they had a whole 80, lot of, 84. Yeah, they had a whole lot of EM games and stuff. So it was Space Shuttle and, and Pinbot and such. But I think the, the big one was High Speed. Right. When they got that in, that yeah. was, you know, High yeah. Speed was just nothing like it. Yeah. And this, you know, when we first saw it, there was these crowds of people just wanting to play this game. It's amazing that Pinball used to draw a crowd. Yeah. And if you were playing and having a real stonker of a game, people would crowd around to watch, which was really quite cool. And the old coin on the glass thing. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Palmerston North actually did have a pinball club yeah. back in those days. Yeah. So there definitely was a pinball following in Palmerston North. In fact, Danny Sorcerer came from that club, I think. Yeah, they used to have like um, <coughs> 10 or so at least 10 games in that little, it was quite long and narrow. Right. It used to be all on one kind of one side of the wall. If you walk away from the square into that little pedestrian, that, that little, it was on the right, wasn't it? I think I, you know, I do remember, I went there a couple of times, but not going to Palmerston North that much. So you, you, you fell in love with high speed, mm. and then grand, you, presumably you played the Grand Lizard in Wellington. Yeah, which was after the high speed. And then were they, was Crystal City getting like Swords of Fury or the, the next games? No, this is before, before that time. I think Green Lizard was the last game that they brought. The last game? Wow. Okay. That's interesting. And then, uh, so you were playing, and then gradually the, the ones after that, like Swords of Fury, Black Knight 2000, Cyclone maybe, they all started to pop up in other places on, on sites. Yeah. Is the cafe culture started to... The cafe culture definitely changed. Started to come... I think 89 was our first cafe in Wellington. And that would have been... I remember Black Knight 2000 at um, Espressoholic. Used to play that. Yep. Used to play there, Espressoholic? Yeah, um, I discovered that, yeah. Gilligan's Island. They had a Gilligan's Island as well. Gilligan's Island. They were all Tom Houtman's games, I think. Tom was kind of the guy... It's a shame he's passed away now. But he was one of the main site operators in Wellington I think okay he did the diner as well on Courtney Place so just so now we're into the 90s the so we've, we've before yeah. 1989 I was seconded from my where I was working to, to Melbourne for um, about two months oh yeah and they they had a massive pinball community there and I was I loved it and um, that's where I got to play Jokers and Swords of Fury for the first time oh cool stuff like that and uh, I remember one, one arcade there had the Swords of Fury up so loud, it was really loud, but that 
that tune that it plays, you know, if you get the, each ball locked, it changes the tune up to a different, to yeah. a different music. Yeah. And you could just hear it right across the whole arcade. And I just, yeah, fell in love with that game. The music's awesome. I think Dan Ford and yeah, the music. Music's great. Shame about the flippers going. Well, well, that's that's because on my swords, I, I comment to people and I say, what what is what is there about this game that no other game has? And they they thinking about it. Oh, upper playfield. Oh no, lots of people, lots of games have an upper playfield. Oh, I don't know. What what is it? And I said the flippers make a noise. There's I can't think of any other game where the flippers have a sound effect. And yeah, that's weird. It is weird. But it works because it's the sound of swords clashing. Um. So you love that game, Swords of Fury? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's a good shooting game. And so then you came back to Wellington and... That's when the cafe culture was really... The cafe culture started to notice out. things were changing. It's the same as me. I was in, in Melbourne, but I was in Melbourne in 1990. Probably a little bit after the time you were there. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, the cafe culture really changed things yeah, about 89, 1990. And then most cafes had a... Well, not most, but a lot of cafes had a pinball poked and perched, you know, perched in the corner. Um, city Limits was another one on Wakefield Street. Yeah, there's places like um, in the Regent Picture Theatre they had Space World. Oh yeah. And this is like 90, 90 they started to get pitbull games in. <clears throat> they used to have the casual ones you know, off and on over the years but it was mainly video games. And then the cafe culture started to take off and then I started to notice these arcades are starting to bring back the games. And Space World was probably the one that was the first like had whirlwind and earth shaker you know that's the place you could play secret it. service secret service oh yeah, yeah. That, that was another game in palmerston north they had secret service right right yeah right god i haven't seen one of those see at the time that seemed very advanced yeah that game it was like wow it's in digital stereo <laughs> and and it seemed very state-of-the-art and they had a uh turtles teenage Mutant ninja turtles oh, yeah. well. oh right okay hated that game it was horrible <laughs> so you won't be buying the new one then well I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of the thing but it looks beautiful I have to yeah I've yeah I'm, I must say I'm a bit tempted on the new one but um, I don't know it's a lot of money um, so when did you buy a game when was your first game purchased or did was it the one that you won no the first game was Funhouse so that was about 94 95 I brought right. up games but right. that was because of the internet right so you know back in 1990 I was working like um, shift work for, for the company I worked for and I was finishing like 2 o'clock in the afternoon yeah starting really early finishing at 2 and then I had all the time in the world just to go and play pinball mm. and that's when Terminator 2 came out and all this so I was I was in pinball heaven and all the pubs had had all the games and um and then the internet kind of like started to get on the scene and I heard about this thing called Brit Game Pinballs, which is a, new, a news group. And it was um, it had to be a news feed to be able to read. It was an old-fashioned bottom board type thing. And so I started to read that and it was all mainly coming from America. But there was people from around the world contributing to this news group, like um, from Australia and from New Zealand and stuff. But I didn't... I was, it was so expensive, I used to just kind of pay just to have access to read it. I didn't actually have access to write to it. Right. And it wasn't until about 93 or 94 when the internet started, you know, got your Voyager and you got all these extra all started to start up with it. It was expensive, like 10 bucks an hour to surf the internet back in those days. Wow. 
So you never used to surf, you used to just read the news groups, you just download all the text and read through. And so I started to get involved with that and learning about pinball history, learning about how people were playing the games and learning about the new games that were coming out because, you know, Chicago guys were getting access to all the test machines way before they actually came out. Mm. And as you know, it used to take months to get to New Zealand. So I used to read all about them before they got here. And that's how I got this information yeah. <laughs> to the local distributor. I said, this is this goal. I'll just, I'll just pass this around, you know, yeah, get yeah. some interest in yeah. it. So that's how I got into that sort of thing. And that's how I came up. I could actually own one of these games. So um, it was a place in Dixon Street. What was the place in Dixon Street? Um, it's called Pinball Arcade. Was it? Oh, Luna Park. Luna Park. Yeah, you know, Tony, Tony Focus. Yeah. yeah. I bought the funhouse from there. Oh, right. So he had it up for sale. And... Um, must have cost a bit in 94. It was quite a new game still. It cost $900. Really? Yeah. Okay. It was, it was still quite a new game in 94, only three years old. Yeah. So I reckon, I reckon 1995 I bought that game. 900 bucks. So I been saving money quite a bit. I actually had quite a bit of cash on hand. I said to my wife, I said, I want to buy this. We'll yeah. buy this game. Yeah. yeah. So she said, yeah, let's do it. And I bought the game, and the and the ramp was a little bit busted. The entrance right. to the ramp. The door's blown open. Just a sec, I'll just go and close it. Okay. We're learning all about the history. Yeah. yeah. With all this wet weather, the, the um, all the wood in these old houses it swells up. Yeah. And so, um, well, you have no regrets about that, then? I'm oh, sure. <laughs> so I, I heard about it from somebody on Rip Game Pinball. He was a guy in Wellington, he said, oh, there's this game for sale at, what was it, what was the place called, Luna Park? Luna Park, yeah. I said, oh, okay, so I went straight down there, shit, it's a fun house, yeah. it was only $900, I thought, I can, I can afford this. And the fun house was your all-time favourite game? Yeah, it was it? definitely up there, right? Yeah, because uh, you, you named your, your um, links page, Frenzy, oh, Frenzy, yeah, Frenzy, based on the Frenzy mode and fun house. Based, and your email was Frenzy? Yeah. <laughs> you were frenzied out. I was very frenzied. Um, so that was your first game in the Funhouse, and that's the one that's just broken down. Yes. <laughs> we were just talking earlier that uh, one of his games has gone down. It's Funhouse, and uh, that was so that. And then was it long before you bought the next one? Well, that so that was '95, and Rick Game Pumbles was right into it by the stage. I just knew everything that was going on. So there was Bowen Kerns on there. There was Keith. Um, Keith Johnson on there all these guys that you hear about now they're all on that RGP Keith, they, Keith not Keith Allen no oh Keith Johnson yeah. who's Keith Johnson I'm not sure um, I'm from, familiar with him uh, he's um, Juicy Jet oh okay and uh, probably known as Keith I think oh right yeah. okay all these guys so in 1996 uh, we went to America on our kind of like our first big trip we spent four weeks in America yeah. and I planned it around the Pinball Expo, yeah. Expo in yeah. Chicago 1996 yeah. and uh, I met up with all you know all the people who were right in, into the scene right there you know, Pat LaLaws and Steve Ritchie wasn't there but Mark Ritchie they were all there John Papaduke right. Cameron Silver you know the Aussie guy right. that went over right. met them all there met the Bowens and everyone there as well wow it was yeah, for nineteen ninety six, it was it blew me away, and I got to go to the Williams factory, and kind of like I weaselled my way into to visit. What Williams. was it, what was on the line at the time? Well, they had moved. Right. They had moved to um, up north or something, so they weren't making pinballs in the old old right. place anymore. Right. It was it was video games. So I think it was cruising USA or something. Right. 
So I managed to get in there. So Larry DeMar, I talked to Larry at the at the expo. He says, I'm right into AutoCAD because, you know, I'm a kid, man, kid mm. guy. And he says, I know you use it. Can I go and see how you're using it? And he said, okay, I'll hook you up with this guy. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. I'll have to look him up. Yeah. And he can show you how they how they use AutoCAD to design pinball machines. So wow. the following day after the expo closed, I, I went to Williams and he had to sign an NDA and all that sort of thing. And uh, got, he showed me everything about how they're using it. And then, um, they had used to have their games at the bottom of the stairs that they used to test. And I was playing Junkyard and stuff like that. And met, um, you probably won't, Dwight Southern came along and said, right. He was saying, you're pretty good on this. Because it was the first time I've actually really played this game. Stuff I remember. He yeah. probably wouldn't remember that at all, but it's fine. Yeah. And Cameron Silver was working on um, Super Spogatier with right. John Popperduke. So managed to whiz my way into his room. And he said, yeah, that's no worries. And he showed me a whitewood. It was whitewood number two, I think it was. And it's a little bit different to what the final game was. So got to see that. So it was quite exciting for a pinball nut that... That's incredible. What an incredible story. I don't know. I didn't know that you'd actually went into the, the design rooms. Yeah. I knew that you'd met, you'd, you'd had dialogue with Cameron and you sent him some Kinder Eggs in the post. Yeah, yeah, that's what was later. Yeah, because I was talking to him and he said, well, John was writing, so John wasn't there for some reason. And he said, John was writing to his Kinder Eggs and Cameron had, you know, from Australia, had, had that all the time. He couldn't get any. He couldn't get them in America because right. of the little parts, you know, it was, it was right for lawsuits. They couldn't sell them. Yeah. So when I went back, I just sent them a whole bunch of Kinder Eggs. We should explain what Kinder Eggs are, because we've moved on 20 years now. Um, they're little chocolate... Cho- you know what Kinder Eggs surprise eggs are? Yeah. You yeah. Chocolate eggs with a toy in them inside, right? But the toys were really collectible. Yeah. And you used to have to actually kind of like make them up. Right. I think Kinder Eggs nowadays, are, they're actually pre-made. Right. So, yeah, I sent a whole bunch of those over and they, they blew them away. No, I wasn't going to, I didn't say I was going to do it. I, I got back to the NZ and I thought, yeah. shit, I might as well just send them a whole lot of Kinder Eggs. And what did Cameron do to thank you? He put my initials in the game. So I'm in the, I'm in the original game on the high school board. That's awesome. Yeah. M, what is it? M? Just M. M. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And the reason why I did M, because I used to go MJB. Yeah. And some guy in, in Wellington used to use it as well. So I used to get high scores in certain games, and then I'll go around, and there'll be an NJB, and I thought, well, that's actually not me, that's somebody <laughs> else. So I thought, I'll oh, just do M, because, you know, nobody would do M, so that's why I'm in. Isn't that J- J- Dame Judy Dench's character in James Bond? What if she was playing? Yeah, play? yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, well, that's a fascinating story. Well, you went to the Williams factory. Very few people in the, in the hot, you know, in the sort of player scene can say that they've done that. Um, especially from New Zealand, that's that's remarkable. Good on you. Um, and so you came back from there, and then you were going to buy another game after that. Yeah. So the next game after that was um, Twilight Zone, and I brought that off Mike. Right. And that was that was situated in the old. Um, uh, you know, they used to have time zone in the high street next to the picture theatre. In Lower Hoyts, it was Hoyts. Right, in the. Oh yes, I know in the Odeon. Yeah, in yeah. the old Odeon building. Yeah, they used to have some games up up the top, and right. one of them was Twilight Zone. Oh, cool. So I brought that. I think I paid sixteen hundred for that. Yeah, you wouldn't pay that for a Twilight no. Zone now. No, and it was working great. It, I didn't need to do anything to it. Well, again, in what year would that have been? Ninety five, ninety six. So that was when I got back from. Yeah, so I would say ninety seven. Ninety seven, and it's still quite a new game. Four years old. Yeah, but the pinball was starting to. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's starting to disappear. The big recession was happening. Yeah, because yeah. I also did uh, the pinball directory of Wellington. That's right. So even before I went to the States, I was starting to 
make lists and put them on the internet. And Dina created a web page called Ones in Pinball Directory. And I used to go around every month and manually write down. And I still miss places. I still missed all your places. So. Right. I think you gave me the stats. Now, this is a good time to mention that I was digging through my VHS tapes and I found a news uh, article, a news clip from our local Wellington TV channel. I think it was called WTV or something, Wellington TV. And anyway, they had filmed you on site and you had catalogued how many locations there were in Wellington, how many games on each location. There was something like, what was the, there was something like 160 games on site. 160 games on site in Wellington in 1996. And I think at the time you said, oh, it's down from, you know, 250 the year before or something. Yeah, yeah. It's remarkable. Um, so I might actually find a way, if I can, to embed that video, because I copied it from my VHS tape that I found, and I've got a, a digital file now, so I might try and um, embarrass you some more by putting it on the webpage. I, I couldn't watch it. You know, I, you told me you posted the Facebook. I'm, I'm not on Facebook, so but I would have gone and, and I started to watch it. I can't watch this. This is just too good. So these guys haven't seen it, so... Haven't you seen it? Oh, oh, I was too embarrassed. I was... Right. Well, you were, you know, you were a young man then, and um, but 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 you know, we I think your enthusiasm came through. Uh, you were playing the Adams Gold that I ended up buying as well in the arcade, which was interesting. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm going to try and dig that out and put that up. Um, it's really valuable information because those of us who who get excited about hearing about what games are on, like what sites, and what the social kind of culture was like at the time. Um, so when did you win the Earthshaker? I didn't win it. I won... Was it Earthshaker? No, it was Whirlwind. Oh, you won a Whirlwind in a competition. Yeah. It wasn't a competition. It was just a high school. Had to get right. a high school. It was, it was at the time zone in Lower Hutt, and this time they were actually in Hoyts itself, by right. the stage. Right. And they just had this win this game if you had the high school at the end of the month. Oh, so right. I had the high school. I was going there every day. Right. So that's why I'm good at Whirlwind. Can you remember the score that you got? Yeah. Oh. Probably would have been about fifty million or something. Yeah. Must have played well. Must have been able to yeah, make that yeah. side ramp shot. Yeah. If you can't make the side ramp shot, then you kind of screwed on Whirlwind. Um. And I always remember you telling me, "Ah, oh, it's a good a good game to play in the summertime." <laughs> yes. Used to go and mow the lawns and then come and have a game of Whirlwind because of the fan. Used to. <laughs> it's not a good game in the winter time, especially in the, no, it's not. in the garage. It's quite cold. And then I bought the Earthshaker. And then you got the Earthshaker. That was based up in um, Maidstone Wall. Oh. Okay. I can't remember the guy's name now. That was Arthur Buckland. Okay. Yeah. Or Ivan. Ivan or Arthur. And that cost me four hundred fifty dollars. Wow. I remember that because it was a, it's a it's a sample game. It's got the building that still moves up and down when you uh, make the zone. Yeah. So there's, a, there's only like 200 of those made. Wow. You can't retrofit a, la- a later model Earthshaker to have the the, move, the collapsing building? You could probably could, but this game has got, you know, it's <coughs> the um, all the uh, all the labels on the playfield are actually stickers. They're not actually screen printed in. The labels are stickers? Yeah, and... The, 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 you mean the, the, the lettering? Yeah, the lettering, yeah. Oh wow! And when the captive ball is a big sign, that's that's a sticker that's not clear plastic. There's all these things on it that you, it'd be quite hard to. Wow! Uh, these I are, didn't know they released. Work. I didn't know they released games that had just sort of decals on the play on the playfield. Wow! Not, not all the places, but yeah, there's definitely 
And you said to me that you are running old code on yeah, that so game. Yeah, still prototype ROMs, ROMs on it. Which compromises other features of the game? or Yeah, I think that changes. The, the, the release ROMs change some of the, the rules, but also I think you get more extra ball opportunities maybe. can't remember now, but there are differences between the two. And I think it stops the building moving up and down. Right, right. The it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. There's probably ROMs out there now that you could you do you think you could get a later version of the code and then and then hack into it so that you can program the building to go up and down? Somebody's must have done it by now, but back then no. I was thinking you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> um so okay, so we're up to uh, Whirlwind Earthshaker, Twilight Zone Funhouse, and the, but you've also picked up Adam's family's Indiana Jones's So well, they were all for friends, so the right. uh, Indiana Jones was for a good friend of mine who lived in Norway. Right. So we used to always correspond quite a bit. He says, I'm going to come back one day, right. can you buy me an Indiana Jones? Right. And I brought that for for him for $800. Wow. And that was like late 90s. Like Is that off a site as yep. well? That was off um, Kiwi Pimble. Oh, Kiwi Amusements. Kiwi Amusements, yeah. that's yeah. it. Yeah, there were a couple of guys. Oh, okay, cool. And and, and then I brought a whitewater off Kiwi Music. He hasn't, well. the guy from Norway has never turned up. He's, he's come back home, but he's he's not interested anymore. <laughs> and, it, and it's broken, so... It sounds like a win-win for you. It is. So we broke the broke the, um, the glass on it. The right. plate, you remember that, eh? Okay, Josh, you want to tell the story? <laughs> I don't know. I fell off a ladder. You fell off a ladder into the game? No. When it, I, was taking, I was taking the glass off this wide body and he was right next to me on this ladder standing on the ladder looking down right and just just right at the end I started to look and I, I bent it up and then oh, we yeah. went boom yeah. and the glass went everywhere and it went all over him and it went, just went everywhere gave us hell of a fright and yeah no they do they, they literally explode don't they, they do yeah it makes hell of a noise and it was just glass all as yeah. you probably yeah. know yeah and every little crevice in the pinball game yeah you can find the glass yeah so um, that and some of the electronics is a bit, bit iffy on it. So yeah, he came back and he he's never actually said I need it. So has invested an interest in it. So, so one did day, he give you the eight hundred that you bought? It oh for? yeah, he he <laughs> sent me some money. So and I and I brought the it's got that the plastic at the back the lost oh yeah plastic yeah I yeah. bought that from back in the day and that was really expensive back then. Yeah, it's probably not so bad nowadays, but. Back then, there were hardly any people doing retro parts right. for games, but now it's just, they're just everywhere. Yeah. I call it the lost plastic, don't yeah. What about, and there's also, I think, the one that I had, which I sold, yeah, I sold it, um, had the three oh, drilled out it. holes for the lights for the for the jackpot awards yeah. on, underneath the, the D&D. And so that's it. But then Adam's family is a similar story, isn't it? Yeah. So I brought Adam's family for the brother, for my brother-in-law, because he was riding to his Adam's family, and yeah. that was eight hundred dollars. Yeah. From Kiwi Amusements. Yeah. So that would have been about the same time, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, something like that. Right. And I did that up for him. Right. Um, and it's now his place with a uh, <laughs> a dead battery acid. Oh, no one checked the batteries. Yeah. That's what can often happen if you don't check the batteries, which is there to keep your high scores, then the corrosion that can leak and get corrosion damage. I think the best thing for that is just another CPU board. And I used to uh, take a whole lot of photos of the of the game before I stripped stripped it right down, yeah. clean it. And I used to post it to fl uh, Flickr. Used to, used oh, to, yeah. And, but now you have to pay for it, so 
it's all gone, all that history's gone. I've got the photos on my hard drive, but I had it all on the net. You could, people used to go to those photos all the time. For reference, to For see reference, where things yeah. go. And then white yeah. water, you've yeah, got a white, white water now? white water. Because that's, that's probably my favourite from that period. Right. Along with Funhouse. So I brought that for $1,000 from Kiwi Amusements. Right. So obviously they'll start to get rid of the well, games. Sorry, I don't want to say too much about me because it's about you, but I remember when I was buying towards the later end, it was only me, Kiwi Amusements, and Space Tech Coin buying yep. new games by the mid-90s. And they used to have this big fuck-off big van with a high roof and they would just put the thing on the legs and then just walk it straight into the van and drive away with it and take it straight to their location, which was um, Mid-City Tavern. Yeah, that's right. Heaps. They had a line of like six or eight games. Heaps of games in that place. But they were all pumping, man, day and night. Yeah. And they had Gottlieb's. They had Gottlieb's and all sorts of games here. Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those kind of office um, office worker bars in the centre of Wellington that everyone was out playing pinball. Yeah, um, and that's where I met Kat. Yeah. Parker Jones. So, yeah, this is a good segue. So... When I, in these days, Mike, when I knew you in the mid-90s, there was, a, there was a, a small group of people. We used to go around to people's houses and play. There was Parker, um, yourself, me, Ratu, and Steve was around in those days too. Yep. There was a guy called Blair. Yep. Um, and there was really only half a dozen of us um, that used to go around from house to house and have a few games. Um, so... Yeah, that was uh, the, the the pinball hobbies certainly ebbed and flowed. Um, but then you kind of stepped away from pinball for a long time, eh? You had a family. Had a family. Had got married. Kids got married. Had kids. <laughs> Don't really have the time for for it. So I had all these games in my garage, um, and only two are currently working. <coughs> um, but at the time, yeah, who who was to know that I brought those games at the right time? Yeah, because yeah. you couldn't buy. Couldn't buy them for that price nowadays. No, the the, the, the we call it pinflation. Um, yes, and and you, and you kind of just basically just shut the door on them for a while. You used to play them. We used to play, yeah, we used to play them off <coughs> time to time. Yeah, uh, and as they started to break down, I never really had the time to to fix them. Yeah, and I still don't have the time. Getting these guys to <laughs> take over. So Ashley's doing the electronics class. At school yeah, right so now. that's cool. Learning how to solder and all that. It's, that's at school? Yeah. Oh, nice. And theory nice. and all that sort of thing. Which is... You know the difference between good quality solder and bad quality solder? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> the, my friend Jeremy's always telling me, don't buy the shit stuff. Um, you've got to spend a bit more and get the good stuff. But it's getting harder and harder to find the good stuff now. Oh, is that right? Because Rachel was the one that set me up. He, when I got the fun house, he said, okay, I'll go, and get you, I'll go with you, buy the right solder, buy the right... Yeah. soldering iron buy this buy that so if it wasn't for Aracha I don't know what my state well I always used to get Duratec which was a good brand and I loved it but no they've changed their, their compound they've changed their recipe the formula now okay. so the Duratec you buy now is not like the Duratec we used to buy which surprised me actually because I'd be the kind of guy to go and get the same stuff I had last time but now I'm told that, that now they've changed their formulas um Cool, we'll talk to you in a minute, Ashley, about that. But um, So you, you came back to pinball, well, probably in the last five years, you reckon? Yeah, so, I, I, so once I started to have kids, I stopped reading RGP. I, I didn't know what was going on in the world. But I used to pin game journal. Yeah. used to get that, so that was probably my only 
way I could see stuff coming out and occasionally go on the internet to see what's happening. But there wasn't anything like um, what's pin sites. It was nothing like that for years. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, yeah. you know, Stern was the only people around. So after Williams closed down, it was like the world was come to an end for pinball. Which was 1998. Not 1999. 99, okay. But Mike and Space Tech were still getting in those Stern games. You know, like Striker, Extreme, was a horrible game. You know, Stern was pretty... Yeah, and sketchy, eh? Yeah, but at least they were still... Thankfully, at least they were still doing it. Yeah. So my interest kind of like, you know, waned. And, you know, I had family and stuff, so that was fine. <coughs> and, um... But I used to get... Pin Game Journal, and I used to get the flyers. So I used to know what was coming out, but nothing really interested me. Apart from the, you know, like, Lord of the Rings or something like that. Mm. But they weren't really putting out any decent games. But I, I had an eye on what was going on. And then probably Juicy Jack, when Juicy Jack started up and Stern started up their game, I got, oh, shit, this is actually getting pretty good now. And these guys are at a really good age to actually go out and explore, you know, what's going on. And it was the person at work that put me on to the, you know, what was happening now. It was really... The IFPA or... Oh, yeah. right, with, yeah, Rennie, yeah, 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 of course. She says, oh, you know Simon? I said, yeah, I know Simon. I know him from way back in the 90s. Well, he, they do pimple comps, do they? So I had no idea because I wasn't really following it on the, you know, I wasn't on Facebook and that. I had no idea what was going on. Sure. So she got me back into it. She said, oh, I'll get you to come to the next mile company. I think it was Steve's place or maybe Ollie's place was the first one I went to. Right. Four years ago, maybe. Yeah. And then I got these guys. Once I saw, actually, this is pretty good. Really good people. Great games. Safe environment. Got mm. these guys into it. And now we love it. So that would have been when you were um, 11 and 10, you guys, I guess five years ago. Yeah. 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 That's great. And uh, well, I think about 2015 with the IFPA tournament circuit, the kind of things kind of ramped up a gear. I mean, I was not doing it. I was not doing pinball much until about 2013. I kind of got out 2008 and then started doing it again a bit more seriously in 2012. Never completely walked away from it, but didn't have anything on site. Um, now that's really cool. And so now you guys, and you guys are really kicking ass at the comps. Both of you. I mean, Ashley, you won the Steve's comp last year. Yeah. Remember when I had that old Playboy I just fixed up? Yeah. Well, that was on, the final was on Playboy, eh? Yeah, it was, yeah. And it had the incredibly tight tilt. Oh, if yeah. someone had told me earlier in the night, hey, your tilt's too tight on that Playboy, I would have fixed it, but then it... <laughs> I, I just was like, oh, yeah, I haven't played it yet. I don't know how tight it is. And then I played it and I got kicked out. Right? Yeah. My ass got kicked because I tilted out on it. <laughs> um, and then, Josh, you're yet to come first, but you, you, your, your future is bright and you're going to come first very soon. I'm, I know that. Well, that, that uh, comp we had in Christchurch last year where Josh came third. Yeah. That was an amazing, amazing run by Josh. Yeah, yeah. No, you're both excellent players. Excellent players. And um, maybe even tomorrow, you're coming tomorrow, you, know, you might have the first name on that trophy that I've, that I've got now. Um, so so you've got, you guys, you young guys, how do you feel about pinball? Like you've been playing at home, now you're coming into the comps. I mean, I know that you're really keen and you, you love playing and you watch other people play and you pick up on their kind of style. You pick up on Charlie a bit with your shaking the game sometimes. <laughs> and um, 
how do you how do you guys feel about the the the, the pinball hobby? And 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 are you like have you got that 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 thirst to win, or are you come along just for the fun of it, or? I mean, you you're competitive. Yeah, yeah, definitely competitive. Yeah. Try, yeah. Always chaining to try winning the tournaments and all that. Yeah, so yeah. she's out every every day playing, playing our games, especially with the COVID. We haven't been yeah. able to go out, yeah. so yeah. he's been out about every day just playing. Yeah. Josh is more into his video games right now. Right. But you know, when a comp comes along, he seems to step it up. So yeah. Something natural there, I think. Do you play pinball on on video in the video format at all? Not really. No. No. So your thing is Xbox, PlayStation, or? I've got a Nintendo Switch. Nintendo, okay. Fortnite and all that. Nice, yeah. nice. Um, so I think uh, yeah, I think now that COVID's gone, um, we haven't the IFPA haven't started up just yet, so there won't be any IFPA points for tomorrow. Um, but uh, the, the, the the certainly we're going to be meeting again, yeah. although unfortunately it's still restricted around the world. New Zealand's quite fortunate that we can go out and do this this thing. Um, and how do you th- what do you think the future of Pindle is looking like for from a collector's point of view from a player's point of view and a tournament's point of view well it's definitely a changed world to you know back in the 90s or late 90s when we were starting to really get into it and um, it's a definitely a better time to be a collector mm-hmm. although it's a very expensive time to be a collector I have yeah. to you yeah. know and I, I am really pleased to see how much quality of games coming out from you know a lot of people. But can it last? Yeah. Because we've been through this before. Things go in cycles. Yeah. And I think even before COVID nineteen, it was starting to probably get too much of the same. Is that you know? We're probably on starting on that down. Probably not like st- steep down. Not nose diving. Yeah, but starting to starting to level out. So yeah, the interest was. No, it was just the same old, same old. But you know, people like um, Spooky Pinball, you know, Keith, uh, not Keith, um, Scott Denisi, and that doing something right. different with the collaboration rules and all that stuff. Right. Now Stern's doing that, and maybe internet connected competitions. I don't know how well that's yeah, going to go, yeah. but you know, that's that's good. Yeah, I think competition is really. I think it's great. I love the competition side. I, I didn't think I would enjoy it. Mm. I didn't know how good I was until I met up with you guys before. Actually, I'm actually not too bad at this, and I'm yeah. really enjoying just being around everyone and playing. You know, meeting people from Christchurch and Auckland, and that's great. Love it. Really bunch great. Talking about that that gradual decline, I think the market's getting a bit saturated. Yeah. And and we've got so many manufacturers spitting out so many games, and all those different price points. You know, the pro, the premium, the LEs. Um, it is getting saturated. And, and and each manufacturer is having to, to, to sort of match their previous output. A bit like what was happening in the 90s. Yes. When the companies were having to be, be going one-up themselves from the last time. Um, the new designers are good, though. Keith Elwin being relatively oh, yeah. new. Well, they're bright. What do you think of Stranger Things? I haven't played it yet. You haven't played it? So, because of the COVID, I haven't actually... I know it's, yeah. you posted it's yeah. down. Go and play it, play it today if you want, down at the lanes. Um... I'm not convinced. I've, I've seen a few streams. I'm watching a lot of streams. I mean, right. I love how uh, we've got Twitch and all that and the streams and, you know, like guys like um, I.E. Pimble, Cole, oh, his name's escaped me, a guy from California who does all the streaming. 
he's been recently posting stuff to YouTube of old competitions like pin golf and all oh, that wow. pin golf was, I really like the pin golf looks really good I wouldn't mind doing that here well in the do they do a points goal or strategy goal it's points because yeah that defeats the purpose of pin golf I think if you're just trying to first to get certain points but you have to do it in certain with a certain range of balls right and if you don't reach it then you get more you know uh, you get a higher golf yeah, score against sure. you and yeah. then it, you can really uh, fall right. behind right I like the ones where you have oh, I've got to get molly ball or got to start video mode I like those sorts of targets instead of just points well, the points is quite good because he showed they were showing the ones from the 2019 comp in, in Las Vegas it was the North American championships like the day before the pin golf right and the way they played the games for you know, match play was completely different to the way they played for pin golf. It's really fascinating. It's a different strategy. Right. So um, something different. Yeah. But I really like the competition because um, I don't know. I just, just re- I really enjoy doing the competition, and um, even though the games that to me released now are really too deep, mm. I don't have the time. Really don't have the time to look into the rules and learn all the different multipliers and all that. That's a little bit frustrating. I prefer the classics still. Yeah, yeah. But, well, you know, if... It's neat, that those, it go. it's neat that those classics are part of the competition just as the new games are, yeah. right? Yes. Um, and, and and plans for your games? Have you got you've got an idea to sit, sit up... You've got, like, half a dozen games, or plus the Meteor as well, that you bought. Have you got, like, um, plans to set them all up in, in a game room environment, or...? I'd love to, but at the moment, if you saw our garage, it's, it's just full of junk, <laughs> and you have to go around things to get to the pinball games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen your garage over the years. Yours is luxury compared to that. <laughs> Mine's so, pretty dishevelled. So, um, yeah, I'd love to, um, yeah, I'd love to uh, make that work again. Yeah, yeah. And one day maybe I'll. T- and I would love to possibly buy some modern games. Yeah. Well, we can get a bit of a plan to get your ones tweaked up. When we can, if we can find some time, yeah. Um, and uh, that was that. Actually, my last question on the list here was when, um, where are we going to get a photo? Because I was going to ask you what state was your uh, collection in, and you probably don't want to get a photo there. But um, we'll talk about that. Um, maybe we could get one tomorrow if we don't want to get it at your yeah. place. Yeah. We could get one at the public location tomorrow, where we're going to play. Um, so you guys, um, anything you want to say to add to the mix? I mean, you, you, you're um, 15 and 16, you're fully into pinball, you come into all the comps, you're going to win plenty, I know that. Uh, any, any closing thoughts what on pinball? What do you pinball? like about pinball? Just, uh, just the fun of it. I, I don't know, like the themes, the strategy. Any particular games that you have as favourites? Well, definitely well, and that, that's the one I play every day. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not like I have many options, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Whirlwind's a really good game to learn the basics. Did you see that one that was on Trade Me yesterday? There was one on Trade Me yesterday, but it had a fire on the inside. Really? One of the boards, it must have been overfused. But it wasn't wasn't obvious that it had a fire. Um, I had a photo sent to me through someone else who went and looked at the game about two years ago and took a photo of, of the fire. I tell you, those boards were black. But yet they were selling as is, whereas. And the, the person who went and looked at the game, I think, had cut the plug off so it could not be plugged into the wall. Um, but it got removed from Trade Me. Um, I don't, don't completely know why, but I think um, 
if you um, sell a game which is not fit for purpose, you can't you can't do that. It's breach breach of the Electrical Safety Act. But anyway, it got taken off trade me, and they had a diner there as well. Um, but you know, um, the, the 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 thing that it is with trade me is that it goes on one dollar reserve. And then all us kind of noobs, all us kind of chumps, bid it up to two thousand or three and a half thousand or three thousand. We don't even know what the game is going to be like inside. Um, but you know that's what happens in an auction, eh? Yeah. Everyone gets auction fever. Yeah. And what about you, Josh? What's what what games? Any games that you like particularly? Uh, of I the like ones that you've played. I like Monster Bash. Monster Bash. Yeah, just yeah. Is that the one that you've played? Would have been up in Auckland at Dave's. Yeah. And Christchurch. Oh, and Crush. Is there a monster bash in Crush? Oh, pin mics. Yeah, pin mics, yeah. Yeah, cool. Oh, cool. And um, you got you, you feel good for tomorrow? Yeah. You should go down to Boneface and practice tonight. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, come, if you come an hour early, you can get some practice in. Mm-hmm. And what we should do is get a photo yeah. while you're there. So that will be cool. Just thinking about that, um, you're asking about how the state of pinball was now. Yeah. The key wheel ones and... Uh, yeah. I reckon it's... I reckon Apart from the business itself, I reckon the state of design, the innovation is really amazing. Yeah. I reckon that's great for pinball. Yeah. Um, you're still getting the fan layout. You may still get the Stranger Thing type thing happening. But what Keith's doing and, and others are doing is, is fantastic. And I love Iron Maiden. I reckon that's a great layout. And Jurassic Park looks pretty good. I haven't played that as much. It's Marwin's down at Moon. It'll come to Boneface at some stage. Um, I think we're in an interesting time where we've got the veterans. Steve yeah. Ritchie's still pumping out games, yeah. and Dennis Nordman is still kind of working in some way. Um, who are the other old veterans that we've got working at, at, at Stern? It's Gomez, George Gomez. Oh, George Gomez. Although yeah, he, his first game was Johnny Mnemonic, wasn't it? Yeah. So he kind of came in and. The, oh, no, the first game was Corvette. Was it Corvette? Yeah. He used to have one of those ones. Okay. Um, I think, yeah, we've got an interesting time where we've got new designers mixing yeah. with old designers and we've got new companies. Um, it's very competitive. I must be competitive to sell a game in this market with the prices yeah. as they are. But thanks, guys, for coming around and talking. This is really, really excellent and I hope it hasn't been too daunting for you. Um, it's been great just to um, chat about the state of pinball and your history with Pinball Mike. And oh, just one thing, Mike or Mikey? Are you still you used to be Mikey in the nineties. Oh, it's Mike now. It's Mike now. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up, you're wearing long pants now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And uh, so, thank you so much. And um, yeah, we'll close it off there. Thank Cheers. you, Simon. Thank you. <laughs>